All right, so we're back. This is the uh, the second half of the episode, or it's the next episode, the two and one. We'll figure it out. <laughs> um, okay, so as we yeah we signed off and we got to talk a little bit of there's something you missed, Sean. So, yeah, so in the um, lower three worlds of the the nine worlds, again, this is in quotations. I wanted to point out something that I found in researching hell and Niflheim. Um, again, Niflheim is the world, the primordial world of like poisonous rivers and ice. I there's based on my my understanding, hell may either be the same place or, or like might be the same place as Niflheim, or as David, as you mentioned, hell might be a place within Niflheim, which kind of goes against the idea of the nine worlds. So one thing with hell, there is a it, there's actually a quote by Snorri in the Prosetta where he says, Odin sent hell to Niflheim and made her ruler over nine worlds. So where this is interesting is that Odin literally, like Snorri literally mentions Odin sending hell to Niflheim. When hell and Niflheim, if you like look at the idea and take the idea of nine worlds as truth in Norse mythology, they'd be separate places. So is hell within Niflheim or are they the same place? And then the second part of that quote made her ruler over nine worlds. So this is where we can look at the idea that hell rules over nine worlds within Niflheim or the idea of nine worlds altogether, you know, within the Norse universe as something that may just be said like in passing or as part of a story because of the number, the significance of the number nine itself. Yeah. The, you know, that it, death rules, that death rules over everything, right. Is sort of part of that statement. Right. And then, <laughs> but I like the idea of the, yeah, that there's, there's three worlds at three levels, right. It's very symmetrical. It's very, you know, you think like a tic-tac-toe board, right. It's, there's there's something the the symmetry there, and like you said, throughout the mythology, three shows up repeatedly. And if it needs to be a bigger, powerful number, it's three times three, which is nine, or also three to the second power, nine. Right? So it's there's something like symmetry about that that they think it needs to be there. But uh, yeah, I mean that could be that that could definitely be why like the number nine is yeah. you know used so often in Norse mythology. Like you have the nine worlds which are mentioned, but they're not listed. You have apparently hell ruling over nine worlds, which I didn't put the put together death ruling us all but then you're like you'll you'll read that odin hung himself for nine nights or you'll often like see oh this character odin or thor rode for nine days and nine nights odin's ring produces another ring within nine nights and it's something that pops up altogether. so it's very interesting when you look at the idea of the nine worlds and i know you mentioned we, you and i have discussed like if you're in scandinavia and you actually believe this to be true at what point is this your mind trying to form like some sense of balance within the universe and i just thought that was very interesting that's something i missed when we went over hell um in niflheim earlier but like i'm wondering if they are supposed to be the same place you know niflheim descriptions that the hell is cold versus like the christian idea maybe hell has fire and brimstone that tortures you right that hell is just cold it's just there's yeah like nothing moving it's whereas muspel would be like the christian version of hell and and one other thing with hell, they, they act, you actually see some descriptions of it. And it's actually, in some stories, not actually a bad place. It's not too bad of a place. It's just where half the dead go. There's a, you, didn't do any, yeah, you didn't do anything wrong to get there. You just died. Yeah. So there's there's a story. There's a poem in the Poetic Edda called Baldur's Drum. Or I, again, I probably got that incorrect, but it's supposed to mean Baldur's Dream. So one of the huge stories of Norse mythology is the like the death of Boulder, who is like the iconic god, and like he's he's probably Odin's like proudest. He's like the son that Odin is proudest of. He's Odin's son. O- Baldur starts having these dreams 
before he dies. He, like they're very ominous dreams that like may like allude to his future death. And so Odin travels to hell and asks them like what the hell is going on? Do these dreams have something to do with something bad happening? So hell or no, excuse me. So when he goes to hell, he mentions a high hall and he mentions a dog of hell in front of it. So I'm wondering if this hound of hell is Fenrir, which is another one of Loki's kids. Yeah. Well, but, and this is all, to me, it's, it's all just like the Greek myths that there's a, a Cerberus, the hound in front of uh, Hades. And Hades is the guy who runs Hades, right? So that's a side thing. Yeah. And I, I want to say there's a story in Voluspa from the poetic editor that also mentions Fenrir in hell. So like, that's where I'm wondering if the dog of hell or the hounds of hell yeah. is, could also be Fenrir. But Odin eventually does what he does in Voluspa and he wakes, he wakes this witch or Cirrus from the dead and asks like, why is this high hall preparing for the arrival of something big? And the witch tells him, well, Baldur's going to die and Baldur is going to come. And that's why we're pre- preparing all this. Why this is interesting. And that's like, it's a very short poem, but like, that's where this is interesting because hell is supposed to be a bad place. At least in the Christian sense, it's def- it definitely is. In Norse mythology, like they're preparing a banquet for the arrival of like an iconic character. And then you have, uh, you ask yourself, why is Odin's son going to hell and not Valhalla where he kind of already was in Asgard, right? Yeah. I mean, you only only get to go there if you, you know, in battle, right? And so. He didn't die in battle. He got killed in a very weird way, but like we can discuss that in another episode, but like, I'm wondering if that's why he was there. Right. That's interesting. But that he did die in battle as well. But I'm just thinking that uh, one story, because he's a God. So he's thinking like, He's not supposed to die, right? When he gets dreams that he's going to die, he's like, that's not supposed to happen. Whereas other people, yeah. like, well, that's what happens to people. And then my other thought with uh, Odin going down there, waking up sorceresses from the dead, he's messing with things he's not supposed to mess with. Is that why the dream comes true? I mean, I don't, I don't think the myths say, but that's my thought on Odin can't leave things alone. I, I think that's that's a really good thought because the way i think about everything if and we discussed fate in a previous episode like odin knew he was fated to die and you could argue that the actions that he and the rest of the aesir took or like that he was going to die at ragnarok um and you could argue that the things that the aesir gods and odin himself did to prevent ragnarok caused ragnarok and so in volaspa he's waking up this cirrus who clearly is upset that she's woken up from the dead at the end of Baldur's Dreams, this po- other po- short poem in the, in the Poetic Edda, the witch like answers one of his questions, like, all right, well, I'm going to bed. I'm going back to like to my eternal rest. And Odin's like, nope, you're staying here until you answer my questions. And at the end, she like she's like, I know you're Odin. Just get away. Like, <laughs> get away. Your son's going to die. And it's kind of funny because he's like, he is getting involved in things that he's not supposed to get involved with. Like, nobody wants to know like how or when they're going to die, right? Yeah. Like, it's not something that people do, but like Odin has this like lust to know everything and and that's where he, he has the free will to go down there and bother the, the Cirrus, right? But Odin is going to be Odin, and he's going to do it, right? So that's the fate, right? Did he, did he really have free will? He could have stopped. Yeah. He's not going to be Odin. Yeah, but but that's that's it. I, I just wanted to bring up that part, because I think I missed that when we reviewed Niflheim and Hell. Yeah. You do get descriptions of Hell, and yeah. it's not a bad place. And when Baldur does die, like they send one of the other gods down there to try to get him. To like try to negotiate with hell to say, well, come back, but that fails. That could be a story for another episode. Um, oh, yeah. But like, there's there's actually something I wanted to mention for. Uh, I think after through this episode or this one, the next one or the one after, I kind of like the idea that now we've sort of done a setup for people. So if you don't want to read a book on Norse mythology to know who are all the, the pieces, right? We've kind of set that up. 
And then we could just kind of like dive into a myth, right? Like you tell a myth, something that's a good, you know, good sized story from the original. And then we're interpreting that or making sense out of that. So that's, that's one of my thoughts. What do you think about that? I think, I think that's great. There's, there's a lot of episodes that I want to get into with, as I mentioned in the previous uh, section of this episode, like Thor and his adventures in, yeah. in Jodenheim. I, I didn't go too far into like describing Jodenheim because I think it's better to like whole do episode. It's where Thor has his adventures. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like so many episodes on there's There could be like one or two episodes on Balder himself, a few episodes on Loki, but like, and then like, there could be a few episodes on Odin and his lust for knowledge, which I think is the backbone of all of these stories. Um, so we can, we and can that, definitely and it's, do that, you know, but... it's fascinating when you say that, right? Because that, that's, that's my approach I'm taking to the myths is it's, we're looking at the myths to try to find some kind of wisdom, right? It's not, it's not logical, right? It's not something that you can, you know, use logic to make sense of, but is there wisdom? Like don't be a Nibelung and don't be an Odin. And that's most of the stories are probably what not to do, right? Um, maybe sometimes to be brave and courageous, right? But that's what Odin was trying to do, right? So you're trying to do that, read Odin's stories and don't make his mistakes. And that's right. he, he tries desperately so much in every episode to like understand everything and know everything. And it clearly makes him just less, and it makes him more and more miserable. Right. Like as you, and, they, as you and that comes back to the, the knowledge versus wisdom idea, right? Not be wise to go wake up a seeress, but if I go wake her up, I'll get more knowledge, right? That's two different things, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but that's a tangent. Sorry about that. We can yes, go yes. back into the next three worlds. No. What, what did you want for the, uh, for the, so I think we covered the middle realms of the upper realms. Um, did you want me to say at least what I saw on Alfheim? You can say what uh, makes sense to you. Um, we'll I, I could tell you about what I know about Alfheim from the sources yeah. and it would last two seconds. So you can go ahead. Yeah. So the, the one thing that was, uh, I, think, I think it was sort of saying like, you know, beings of light they are very bright. They're very beautiful. What, what comes to my head is thinking like uh, angels, the way they're described for Christianity. And then it talks about them being gentle, right? Where most things in Norse mythology are not gentle. The gods are not good. They're not kind. They're not gentle, but they talk about how all the, the elf's words are these very, and we should probably find a list, but um, these very kind and gentle kind of words. And they don't have a word for fire. They don't have a word for ale. They just talk in a kind of beautiful, maybe poetic kind of way. Right. And I'm trying to think of there was one more thing, but like pretty much like that's all we know about them. They're maybe they're good. Right. That's yeah. I think that's probably like what I took away from them. Right. Versus evil and human and making mistakes, but they're actually an ideal kind of good. Maybe. Yeah. So that's, and that's where I, I was very interested in your notes before the episode where you talked about the idea of like light elves and dark elves being like the elves and the dwarves and how like the light elves are the Christian idea, like more so symbolic of Christians views of heaven or something like that. Um, so in the pro seta, when story is talking about the um, elves, he mentions that they are more beautiful than the sun. He briefly mentions the world Alfheim where they're from. He, I want to say he actually does. He, I, I want, I, I don't think he actually mentions them as like the light, whereas like the dwarves are dark, just outside of the name of them. But he did mention that they are more beautiful than the sun. Now let's go to the Poetic Edda. There's there's two things I want to mention from the Poetic Edda, which may be less influenced by Christian thought. The gods actually gave the world of Alfheim to Frey, who is a Vanir god. It's it's mentioned, yeah, but he's a Vanir, and so like that's where I, I like is Vanir is Vanheim the same as Alfheim? But like they they mentioned it, maybe he was just given Alfheim. Like maybe elves are lesser than the gods. And I think in one story called Locusena, there might be elves present. I want to say Snowy mentioned there were elves like present, but not like featured in the story. Like they could have been like the help at this banquet. Like they were also demigods that they're 
there to like they're they're among the gods, but they're not as good as, as the gods or something yeah. like that. Now, there's also a story with that feature. That's interesting, right, there, right there, you're just saying they're, they're not as good as the gods, right? The, the thing I was saying earlier is that like they're they're maybe more good than the gods, right? Like they're peaceful, kind, all these great values. The gods are more powerful, right? Probably, right? The gods are yeah, grander than them, but. Yeah. So this is where this is where the poetic edda and the prose edda also are very different in potentially describing the elves. Because like Snorri mentioned that they are more beautiful than the sun. He paints them in this like iconic picture. Now in the poetic edda, there's a story called Vol. I'm going to get this wrong. It's Volans Vithitha. It's that. That's the name of the poem. I think Jackson Crawford in his in his uh, you gotta, translation, you, you got to find you got to find his YouTube because the way he pronounces the old Norse is uh, you just got to spend a few minutes listening to him. Yeah, this is where people can go on Twitter and just yell at me for because I'm so bad at like reading these basic words. But Jackson Crawford describes him as the escape of Volan the Smith, and it clearly states that Voland is an elf and he's a smith. So Voland's he's. This is where also are the elves the same as the dwarves because Volan is, is an expert smith. He builds these beautiful golden rings. This his items king, have curses on them, or are his items like all good? I don't. The items themselves are not the main point of this story, okay. but he he creates these items, and I forgot what happened. He I think he him and his his buddies they marry these three Valkyries who are these kind of like angels. Are they Odin's daughters? Are they Odin's daughters? No, they. <sighs> I don't think they're his daughters. They're they're no, more so just like also demigods that like help him find souls of the slain. So they may be they, like I, I don't even know if like they're formerly dead people from Midgard, but but you you see like in this story, an elf marries a a um a Valkyrie. The Valkyrie eventually leaves to go do her duty, and Volan like looks for her. And sometime after that, I think this King Gilfi of Sweden, so you know this is on Midgard, King Gilfi of Sweden finds out about his talents as a smith. And I feel like, I forgot what happens exactly, but Volan gets his legs cut off because of King Gilfi. King Gilfi captures him and says, make my make beautiful stuff for me. I'm going to give all this stuff to my wife. I'm going to get rich off the stuff that you build. And then Volan eventually goes berserk in a revenge tour against King Gilfi. He kills King Gilfi's two sons right. he gets his daughter drunk and rapes her and impregnates her so because too, right you're saying that like is he you know starts out the story he's an elf here he's a good elf but by the end of it he's very much a dark elf right so that's you know, an idea of fallen elf kind of thing right yeah because of human humans yeah <laughs> like right, right. and then and that goes you know as they, they don't say much about alfheim right is it is that because we can't go there right as we talk about these ideas you know this is a very uh I don't know, metaphysical or spiritual question of can you travel to different realms the way Odin does through hallucinogens, through um, what Odin did was uh, hanging himself from a tree and spinning himself around, and, you know, or is it a... Uh, yeah, and sometimes Odin just like dry, like rides his horse down. Like, just still, horse, right, right. But like, it's idea, this, right? nobody, nobody can talk about it. No one can really describe it because nobody can get there. It's, so this is my thought, at least on why, why would the, the Norse people have had this? You know, not, not that the Christians invented it, right? Why would the Norse people have had this idea? That with all these things that are dark or terrible or, you know, that there's something that's good, right? And even though they didn't, like, you know, aspire to be anything like Jesus Christ, the Norse people, right? They aspired to be like Thor and Odin, right? But they knew that there was this, that that's a concept, right? That things being fair and kindness and all these things, right? They're like, that, that's a great idea. We don't live in that world, right? That's probably a Norse perspective, I would think, but... Well, yeah, and and like revenge is like a theme of so many of the Norse stories, like within the Poetica and Prosetta. But even like like if you look at the some of the sagas, 
like that I haven't read yet of the Icelandic sagas. Like you, you read about so many stories of just revenge and like, I think some of the, like the early law codes of Iceland, which was settled by the Norse, just like, here's the law. If somebody like kills one of your lamb, like you have the, you have like a sanctions ability to do that back to them or to like take revenge on them. And it makes sense in a, like a very decentralized world, like right. you know, dark you age Scandinavia compared yeah, you to like- You have the duty and the government's not going to do it for you. The government's not going to do it for you, but it's your duty to go uh, dispense justice in, in that wild west. And so revenge is the world in many cases. Yeah. And so like with this story, Volans Kitha, um, <laughs> again, sorry, everybody. In the story at the beginning, you just mentioned, it's, it's mentioned that Volans is an elf and- yeah. You, Alfheim is not mentioned in this story. Alfheim is mentioned in Voluspa, where Odin is talking to the dead Cirrus. But like, it, there, that's like really all the poetic Edda gives us about the elves. And Snorri gives us some more. But what I'm trying to say is like Alfheim and the el- the idea of like elves or like light elves, it's very hard to put together a huge picture of what was actually thought of them. No, I think that's pretty well. I think we give a lot more detail to that than most people can find on Alfheim. So I feel good about that. Um, yeah, I just thought it was interesting that Frey yeah. is apparently the Lord of Alfheim, and I was like, "Oh, well, that's something I, I, cool." Yeah, I, I saw that in McCoy's book today too. Yeah, I, I forgot about it. Anything, anything else that you had in mind, or should we, should we say a little more on on Asgard and Vanaheim uh, to kind of wrap it up, and that'll probably lead into the next. Yeah, I, I I really don't have much. Like similar with Jotunheim, like I think every description of Jotunheim can be like put into its own episode with the stories of like Thor and yeah. like Thor and Loki and, and Odin the, going the to story, Jotunheim. The story of why the the, the Aesir and the Vanir, that's the, the ones that dwell in Asgard and the ones who dwell in Anaheim, right? Why they exchanged like two members of each as a peace treaty. Do you know that myth off the top of your head or I, because I don't quite? Oh, uh, yeah. So at, this is like considered by Neil, like Neil Gaiman, who wrote like a chronological order of like Norse mythology. And I want to say in Snorri's Prosetta, this happens like shortly after, wait, you have Neil Gaiman's book? I do somewhere, or I have it downstairs because I'm reading it. Yeah, I always got to get a. I got to get a. I got to get like books behind me right here. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Right. I'm right there. I got to look smarter. Um, but yeah, so I think this happened shortly after the creation myth. But there, there's just kind yes. of like a description of an, a war with the Aesir and the Vanir. They eventually settle terms. They they have a peace treaty, and the Aesir give the Vanir Honor and Mimir. The Vanir give the Aesir North or North something like that. And then ultimately that kind of spawns like a new story with Mimir, who um, I think Neil Gaiman says is Odin's uncle, where Mimir has his own well. And that like kind of starts the story of Odin and his lust for knowledge. Like he sacrifices his eye at the well of Mimir to try to get this, like this knowledge. If that makes sense. Uh, I think I found it there, but I'm not going to try to read it because I'm not prepared on it. Yeah. Well, the war itself, I don't think there's much written on the Vanir Acer war. If anybody thinks like that could be more fan fiction written by us, well, it should be. It should be. So it seems like that'd be a good war. But then again, you have the gods, and they're not going to kill each other. Yeah. What? What do you say? Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah. but I like that. I wonder if that was a a Nordic uh, tradition. Actually, I had a story on that too. So of them exchanging kind of hostages to maintain their peace. So one of the things I read, and I don't remember it clearly enough, but that within Iceland, when they were converting to Christian, why did they have to convert to Christianity? Was it, you know, was it just somebody showed up? Because the Vikings, right? Like, you know, a priest shows up and says, you all have to be Christian now. And they just behead the guy. Like, there's no, you don't get to tell him, right? But it was that, I believe in Norway, the king had converted for, I'm sure there's you know, more history I don't know. But he had held hostage five sons of five of the chieftains in Iceland. And it was like, Iceland converts to Christianity or we kill the five sons of five of the chieftains, right? And oh, really? Yeah, that's I uh, read that. 
I think it was in this book by um, John Lindau. If it was, I'll find it. Yeah. And, and so then there's, you know, they're, they're deciding and there's one guy who's, you know, like pro convert to Christianity. Another guy who's like, no, we're Vikings. We're not going to convert to Christianity. And I think I'm trying to remember how it went that he finally decided that's what we're going to do because like, we're not going to get five chieftains sons killed because then we'll have a civil war in our hands. Right. We'll have maybe one, you know, the head leader with five chieftains that hate him and we're just, it's going to fall apart. Right. So it's one of these places where actually the, the collective was valued over just uh, kind of where some of the right values within the, the Norse. But it, and I think it was, I think it said some of this came out of the Snorri Sturlston documenting it, that showing how begrudgingly they accepted Christianity, I think was kind of the idea, especially in Iceland, right? So going to that idea, like, is Snorri just, oh, he's a Christian and he's just, you know, like, he's, he's all, all for it, right? Or is it yeah. trying to be very subversive in trying to get you some Nordic truth? of the paganism and all of their traditions. Um, he's saying like, but we're not doing, you know, Norse mythology here. We're just teaching you how to write poetry in a historical way, right? Sure. And that's allowed, right? So, so maybe he actually is trying to get us some truth in a way that's palatable that he could do so without being, uh, I'm trying to remember what they said, some of the punishments, there were some punishments for continuing to do pagan things, but uh, we'll, we'll find that for, that's for Sean to research, I think. Yeah, the most I know about the conversion of the Icelanders was that it happened around the year a thousand. And it was like a decision from the, by the all thing, which was like the parliament of Iceland at the yeah. time. Um, I like, I would be interested in reading that story. Cause of my, course yeah, my story is true, right. That if, if, if the same thing you're talking about, the Alf thing and that like, there's, you know, some senators or something, right. And, and five of their sons were held hostage by the King of Norway saying, you guys got to be Christian and act right. If, if that's not true that I came up with a great story. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I got to look into this further too. I know with Snorri, he spent time at the court of the King of Norway at the time, which I think was in the early 1200s. He wrote a, another book outside of the Prosetta called Hemsklingla, which is called like the history of the Norse Kings. And he does like a huge chapter on Hakon the Good, who is like the first Christian king of Norway. So like he he's painting a picture of like Norway that I don't think is like a bad, it, like it, I don't think it's in a bad light. But I do know at the time, like there was probably like these thoughts of Norway. If you were an Icelander that says like, well, these, like we were trying to, like we were trying to escape these Norwegian, this Norwegian well, I'm sure king. It's a bit of like United States and England, right? Yeah. Like we separated from England. Like a lot of people were still kind of, you know, ethnically British, but for reasons for why. Yeah. So like 200 years later, like in Snorri's time, which this is, this is not unlike us right now, you know, in the United States, like we don't, we don't give a shit about the queen or we don't give a shit about England. We Except don't look at them all as our uh, tabloid magazines and all the things to make it a big sensational news that this. Yeah, exactly. So like, but like this is Snorri at this point, like has lived in Iceland his whole life. He's a politician and like he spent time at the Norwegian court. So when he's talking about the Norwegian court, is it in a good light or is it a bad light? But so like, I don't know. Or the, yeah, if he's writing for some of the nobility, right? He's got to write in a way that they can tolerate him writing. Right? He, yeah, if he just writes whatever, yeah. he, all the paganism is great and you should take some mushrooms and become a berserker. And they're like, um, no, that's not how, you know, they're not just going to talk to him politely. He's going to be in jail, right? So <laughs> we could, uh, we could do one episode on, on the idea of, the Scandinavians doing mushrooms and becoming berserkers. And we're like, Oh, and here's like the historical like knowledge we have from the documents. And then we like find none of it. And we're like, Oh, it's made up. Like the last kingdom made it up or something. I want to do, I want to do something about shamanism and, and, but we'll get into that as we get into some stories on last idea. I'll leave us on who's probably like last five minutes that that Odin was so interested in magic and sorcery, but they say that that was a very, it was not a manly thing to do for him to be messing around with sorcery and for the, the Nordic people and the Norse people, that was, that was 
a big problem to be doing things that are unmanly. That, that was not acceptable in their culture, right? But Odin did it. And everybody loved Odin. And he was, you know, he was a man's man. He was, you know, they, they all admired him. Maybe not, not as much as Thor was more of a man's man, right? But, but that Odin, you know, he would even, it's from their perspective, right, debase himself to get that knowledge, right? Like one of the most shameful things he could do as a Norse person, but he would do all this magic. He would do all this shamanism that wasn't supposed to be performed by men because it's, you know, to poison somebody is not slaying them in battle, right? To cast a spell and a curse on them, right? Is not manly. What do you think of that, Sean? <laughs> well, no, I mean, he, he definitely humbles himself yeah. in his adventures. Like I, I mentioned Grimness Mall, the poem, like one of my favorite poems from the Poetic Edda. He, there's like eight stances of him just like saying, his names like or names that people have referred to him as and it's kind of a badass series i was thinking about like reading it here but like it would just kind of get old after two stances now would be, no now would be the perfect time we'll just uh, however long it I, takes. Do you have i don't have it in front of me maybe like i'll i'll just keep the uh, list of I'll, I'll put the list of names somewhere but he like says like oh i was known as like flame bearer or like warmonger or something like and he just keeps going on and on Mother of dragons. And, no, that's yeah. yeah. He's the mother of dragons. Um, but like he, what, what, like Odin, you'll see it with Odin. He'll like disguise himself, and like usually it's in the it's it's he like makes himself like look like an old like man, like an old Wonder, skinny right? frail man yeah. with like one eye and like a wide brimmed hat. There, there's like one story with where he like trolls Thor, and it's like I don't think Thor knows it's his father Odin. And like Odin doesn't let him like like Odin like Thor is like trying to like get this ferryman to like help him cross the river, um, and the ferryman is Odin, and Odin's like no like why should I do this to you you're nobody to me and he's like just trying to fuck with him and um, which is also funny because Thor in some stories can put his foot at the bottom of the ocean but he can't walk over this river in another story right. but you'll see Odin kind of humble himself in his appearances and he does this a lot in the saga of the Volsungs where his family that are descendant of him the Volsungs will come across like a guy, like an old dude, old frail guy with one eye. And like, why is Odin trying to like, to, like, why is he presenting himself as such? And this is another, another thought, right? That he's not, and this is a, you know, an idea I'll probably want to come back to, right? That he's not just, you know, very masculine like Thor, right? Like these the guys that would battle and hold a shield and an ax. That, that Odin, he's trying to find wisdom and knowledge and he kind of finds his feminine side in some ways. There's probably something interesting about that we could explore. No, there, there definitely is. I know there's like a podcast. I don't think she's doing it anymore, but she like the podcast was called Vikings are gay. And <laughs> with all their hair, their hair and the effort they put into braiding their beards. And, uh, yeah. Like, and, and I think she talks about like, I, I, I haven't listened to her podcast, but she was a guest on the Nordic mythology podcast, which I, I listen to every week. And he does. Yeah. It's, um, it's, 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 it's great. Like it's um, this doctor from CU Boulder or this professor from CU Boulder, Matthias Nordvig and his buddy who's uh English. She's from York, but they just like talk about Nordic mythology and they had her on and she was like, she did talk about how Loki and Odin, you know, like in their, like in the stories, they, they conduct themselves in a way that would be not considered masculine. And that, that, that was really important to the Norse, like much more than even in our culture today. Right. Yeah. That was very important. One of my other, was one thought that came to my mind as I was making my joke about a mother of dragons. Wasn't it also Loki got pregnant and gave birth to uh, Jormungan and, and the, the wolf and all of that? Or am I mis- I, I think your your Mungander, um, yeah. Fenrir, and Hell Loki. I'm pretty sure was their father. But there is one story, and this could be like this could be how we wrap up Asgard. Um, Asgard has a wall that was created by a giant, and the gods like kind of tricked this giant into creating it. Like the giant, like I think if he created this wall within one summer, he yeah. got to marry. He, this is like where I think Frigg would have to marry, or not Frigg, like Freya, Freya probably, would have yeah. to marry him. They, like I, I apologize, that's the wrong goddess, but. 
No, everyone's everyone's trying to steal Freya. That's the usual. Yeah. Yeah. So like this this giant like was trying to build the wall, and like the gods were like, "No, he can't fucking do this. He's not going to be able to do this." And all of, he like has this like magical horse kind of thing, where he's on pace to build the wall of Asgard, the defense of Asgard within like one summer. And so the gods are like, "Oh shit! Like we can't give him Freya. Like what? What are you going to do?" And Thor Thor is away, so Thor can't do anything. So Loki goes into like the woods outside of Asgard one night, transforms himself into a female horse who's in heat. And the giant's horse gets distracted and goes in and consummate, like they, they make love and Loki gets pregnant. Okay. And gives Loki gives a birth to Odin's horse, Sleipnir, who's got eight legs. So Loki is Sleipnir's mother, but he's also the father of the three, beans that will that will bring like three of the beans that will bring on Ragnarok and then I think Thor comes back and eventually kills the giant but they so they get their wall I think the 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 story is that it eight-legged horses again what's the name of the eight-legged horse again oh Sleipnir 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 yeah but so that's where as you're you know coming up with names for Loki and mother of Sleipnir right yeah horses mother of eight-legged horses um but yeah like that's uh that could be one of the and I know like for the last three worlds you mentioned Asgard um, I think Vanaheim and Alfheim, like Vanaheim, I don't think we know much about at all. Yeah. Asgard, similar to Jotunheim, will have like multiple stories that kind of require their own episodes. Oh, yeah, um, that's one of them. Like with the how Asgard got its wall, and uh, of course, like Loki, in this case, saves the day. Thor comes back and kills the giant anyway, and the Aesir get their wall. I think the the thing is like it's not finished. Because he didn't finish it, but they still have like a good wall. So maybe there's like holes in it. John, I, I think gotta, with gotta oh, you got to go. Yeah, cool. Well, I appreciate I appreciate everybody. Real quick, no, and there were there were other things I wanted to get to, but I yeah, we'll make we the- can discuss it at the beginning of the Fine. next episode. But the last thing I'll say about the the nine worlds is that we don't have a list of nine worlds. A lot of the worlds may be very, maybe the same thing as the other, but like it, it kind of goes into what you were saying, David, about like people trying to like people like looking at this world, like trying to find balance in the way they think. Yeah. If that's correct. I think that sounds like a, yeah, that's, that's an idea I, I wanted to talk more on and we'll, maybe even next time, but we'll, we'll plan. We'll talk. Definitely. Have a good night. Yeah. Thank you. Bye.